0: Welcome to Kyo Reset. God loves you, and he's all about second chances. He's made us brand new. You know, reset means to start over, set anew, to set, adjust, or repair in a new way, to put back in the correct position for healing. Reset is about you emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Get a brand new start today and embrace God's plan for your life. Get ready for a Reset. Hey, hey, we're back. This is Pastor Daryl Kayo, Turn Life, number three, session three. So get your study guide out. Let's grow in grace and grow in the Lord today. Now, you've got a new spirit and you learn how to resist the enemy. Today, we're going to learn about your part in the church. And there may be some things that you don't understand when it comes to reading the Bible or as you read the Bible. So some of the time there's just things in the Bible Or people seem to have issues understanding the Bible. Now keep in mind, the King James translation was translated in English in 1611. As you read it and break it down, it's filled with treasures that will enrich your life and zero in on where you are to get to know God, the God, the God of the universe, the creator of heavens and earth, and how much he loves you. So today we're going to talk about the family of God and being a part of his family. Now, that's the King James Translation. I recommend you use the New American Standard, uh, New Living Translation, English Standard Version, and sometimes I'll, I'll mention the message because the message is like a very uh, to-the-point and direct translation, but it's more of a paraphrase. So I'd stick with New American Standard and New Living if I had to pick two. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Through 6, and this is the New Living Translation, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Remember, you are in Christ, and He is in you. Even before He made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in His eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into His own family by bringing us to Himself through Jesus Christ. This is what He wanted to do, and it gave Him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace He has poured out on us who belong to His dear Son. So God is not just God. He is Father. He's our Heavenly Father. You may hear when I pray, Heavenly Father, and then begin a prayer. It's because He's our, he's our Heavenly Father. He's our Creator. And this is about family. And you are adopted. God wants you to be blessed and have a good life. He has blessed you, and you are now a citizen of heaven. Okay, You're a citizen of heaven. Now, there's a lot of missionaries that go all around the world, but at the end of the day, uh, depending on wherever they come from, no matter where they go, they are a citizen of whatever country they come from. So there are missionaries from the United States of America that will go to Turkey or Greece or France or anywhere, Africa. But at the end of the day, they're always a citizen of the United States. And just no matter where we are, no matter how we feel, We are, our citizenship is in heaven, and we are part of God's family. Now, God chose us to be part of his family before the world was created. We are set apart. We are special. The word holy doesn't mean you're better than anyone else. It means you're set apart. It means you're special. It means you're set apart. So, for example, uh, there are people that collect things. They're very collectible. There may be something that you truly value. And that is set apart, and you trust very few people with whatever that is. Like, uh, I have a friend of mine. Or actually, I'll be honest. I, I When I was a kid, I collected baseball cards. And I had this one rookie card that was worth like $200. Uh, it was worth a lot of money. And that thing was so special, I didn't let anybody touch it or anybody near it unless I trusted them. Okay? Okay. So have you ever had any collection that you only let certain people see or near? Maybe a toy, maybe it's a game, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's uh, clothing. But either way, it's set apart and it's special, and that's you. That is now you in the family of God and, and being a part of the church. The Bible says we're to be holy and without blame and love. We can stand before God completely forgiven and without blame before Him. Okay, If it depended on our past to be perfect, none of us, not one single person, could stand before God. God shed His blood that Christians could be forgiven of their sins and be without blame. If someone came to press charges against you, Jesus would walk in and wipe your slate clean and pay your debt. And that's what He did on the cross. The Bible also says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has God removed His transgressions from us. He's removed every wrongdoing that we ever committed as far as the east is to the west. Now that scripture in Ephesians also says that God has predestined us unto the adoption of children. One translation says that we're predestined to be sons of adoption or daughters of adoption. This means that God adopted us. He sees someone that He wants in His family, so we are in the family of God. And a family exists to care for and nurture its members. I have a wife and a child, and I do different things with, with each one that is special. We care for one another. We help one another. We love one another. They help me, and I help them. My life is not just about me. In my home a home, in general, in my home, I strive that it would be a haven from the attacks of the world. When I was at school, I, could, I just knew no matter what happened at school, I could go home and feel protected. So many young people have no haven and no real home to run to when they, when they come home. At home, there's as much trouble there as in the world. The only way to resist temptation and trouble in the world is to have a haven, a shelter that only a home and family can provide. Every Christian needs a home. This is why you need to be part of a good local church. You will not do well on your own apart from the family of God. Psalm 92 12 and 13 says, The righteous man will flourish like a palm tree, he will grow like a cedar in Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. This means that the righteous, or righteous means right standing with God, says they'll flourish like a palm tree, a cedar of Lebanon. To be righteous means, to, mean, it basically means to not be guilty before God. If you ask God to forgive you, He will show you mercy. Now let me ask you a question. Do you see any palm trees ever on a bypass? I don't. But if you did, how does that palm tree grow? It says in verse 13, those who are planted in the house of the Lord. You can't grow and flourish if you're not planted somewhere, okay? People don't flourish and grow because, you know, they don't flourish and they don't grow because they're not planted. Great care should be given when you're removing a tree. If you've ever removed a tree, a tree has to be cared for properly. You take great care to move it and plant it where water is so it receives soil and nourishment. This is especially true of a baby Christian. If you're new in the faith, if you're a new Christian, you don't need to stay where it's dead. Okay, When you choose a good church, and by the way, you're at a great church, go where there's life and a flow of God. Don't be the type to stay at a church just to keep it afloat. Uh, long story short, I've known people who will stay at a, a church that literally, I hate to say it, is dying, but they think staying there will keep the doors open. That's not the right reason to stay. But it's very important that you be in a church where life is. And I believe our church is where we want to be people of the presence, and that's where life is. So at the end of the day, back to the palm tree, be planted where you can flourish and grow. That means you as a Christian grow in the church. So you get hooked up, serve, and believe in the vision of the church. Like, when I say hooked up, I don't mean the the slang version. I mean you're just going to connect with the church, serve with the church, and believe in the vision of the church. You won't thrive unless you're planted. The Lord has placed gifts inside the church that you need to sit under. In Ephesians four eleven it says, "And he, the Lord, gave us some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers." God gave gifts in the local church that we sit under to help us grow in our faith and grow in God's family. Now, just just for clarity's sake, Jesus uh, held all these titles. Jesus was an apostle. Hebrews 3.1 says, "...therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession." Jesus was an apostle. It also says that Jesus was a prophet, Matthew 13.57, "...and they took offense at him, but Jesus said to them, "...a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household." Jesus was a prophet. He was an evangelist, Luke 8.1. Soon afterwards, he began going around from one city and village to another, proclaiming and preaching the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him. Okay, Jesus is not only Lord and Savior, but he holds all these offices. Pastor, John 10.11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Shepherd and pastor are an interchangeable word. They both, pastor and shepherd, come from the same Greek word. Okay, He was a pastor. He's also a teacher. Ephesians 4.11, He gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. Jesus was a teacher too. Everybody called Him rabbi. Rabbi, teacher, teacher. Rabbi, rabbi. So Jesus held all those offices. Again, if you're going to grow and be involved and to be perfected, not perfect, but perfected, to be made in, like Christ and mature in the faith, you have to sit underneath these gifts in the local church. Okay? First Peter Chapter 5 says, You younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, for God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Okay? Now, 1 Peter 5, it mentions the elders among you. Okay? The pastor's at the helm of the local church, and Peter is talking to the elders of this church, and feed this flock among you. The pastor is to feed you with the word of God. He is to oversee the flock, or the sheep. He is the leading God of the church. He is not doing this for the money alone. He is doing it because he wants to. Peter's talking to pastors and shepherds. Feed the flock, oversee the flock, be examples to the flock. This is what the pastor is supposed to do. You are not after his personality. It is the anointing. Your pastor may be different when he's preaching than when he's just in normal life. Just so you know, sometimes when preaching, preaching the Word of God or teaching the Word of God, person can be different. When you talk to them in casual conversations, a little more one on one, a little more uh, down to earth on your level. Okay, so don't think there's a, a difference there. Same person, but there might be a slight difference in, in the delivery. It's like McDonald's and another burger place down the street. They're both selling hamburgers, it's just in a different wrapper. Okay, different wrapper, same burger. Same message, different approach, different delivery. Let's keep that in mind. Let your pastor feed you the word of God. Receive the word from your pastor. Okay, that could be your youth pastor, your senior pastor, a pastor in the church. The pastor oversees you. Okay, he submits to the church. Okay? As you submit to the church, get involved with the church. Also, the pastors would be an example before you. Very important. Now, there are some pastors who maybe throughout history or leaders in a church or a Christian you know. Maybe, you know, they made mistakes, they fell into sin. You know, don't follow people who rebel against the pastor, who rebel against the things of God. You don't have to sit under that, just so you know. If there's ever an area of major consequence, abuse of money, adultery, don't follow these guys. Now, can those people be restored? Absolutely. But if somebody's in sin, don't follow them, or they're doing something that's contrary to the word of God, do not follow them. Okay? Remember, you follow their example, and this is how you relate to your local church. So you want to sit under a pastor who feeds you the word, he oversees you, he looks out for you, protects you, and he's a good example before you. Keep that in mind. Younger believer must submit to older believers. Don't follow an older believer that contradicts the word. It's exactly what I just said. Don't follow somebody who contradicts the word of God. Okay? Now, if you disconnect from your church, you are without a shepherd. You're defenseless. And the devil's going to attack you because you're alone. We are sheep. With the followers. Sheep are not effective defending themselves. They're protected by a shepherd. Okay? Wolves are always deadly. So this is important that you be part of a strong local church. Okay? Remember, First Peter 5, 5, You younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders, and all of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, for God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Okay? Get under a shepherd, be protected. Otherwise, the enemy, the devil, Satan, he's going to attack you. Being a part of the church means you have a defense. means you have someone who is going to defend you and guard you and protect you. Now, you have a responsibility to help the support of the local church. It's very important that you do this. Some people get offended at the idea of money and the church taking up an offering. But be careful while you think about money. You have a responsibility to support the church with your money. Psalm 24, 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. When you work on the earth, you receive money. Okay, when you have a job, you get money. You get paid. Cha-ching. But it belongs to God. God in the beginning gave Adam dominion, but didn't give him full ownership of the earth. Remember, Adam's only a renter, a caretaker. God wants, God wanted him to tithe a tenth. The first 10% of your income is the tithe, and that goes to God. Now, back in the garden, God says that there's one tree that I don't want you to touch God had one tree that was his, but all the others were Adam's. This is like a representation of the 10%. He just set back this one tree and don't eat from it, okay? And that also teaches us restraint. It's a good thing. God just wants 10%. You can give an offering, which is anything on top of the 10% of what you make. Remember, if you made $10, you give the Lord $1 as your tithe. That's 10%. Anything on top of that is an offering. Now, when God gave Canaan to Joshua, he told them to burn the city of Jericho... But you can have the rest. There was one man who didn't, his name was Achan, and he kept treasure hidden in his tent. Now, after that, they went into battle and they kept losing. And the Lord revealed that it was because there was sin in the camp. There was sin in their group. And because of this, they were they lost the battle. Okay? So again, obey God, be obedient. He said now remember he said, Don't take anything. Okay? So keep in mind that there are some things that God sets apart and he's asking for a 10% of what we make, set apart and give to him. Okay, So we have a responsibility to tithe. Proverbs three nine says, Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. We honor God with the first 10% and, and we give it to him as an offering. Okay, When you do this, you honor God and you show him respect. Okay, You're basically saying, God, I trust you. I'm being obedient. You ask for 10% of what I make. I give it to you. Here it is. And I trust you. Okay? Now, what happens? What happens after this? The second thing is you bring blessing upon yourself. Proverbs 3:10 says, "So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine." Now, you may not have a barn, and you may not have a vat, and you're probably not going to be drinking any wine, okay? And by the way, when it says new wine, it's a whole different approach and a whole different conversation, but basically the, the the context of this verse is same. If you tithe and you honor the Lord with your tithe and with your wealth and the best of your produce, the best of your hard labor and work, you give him you give that to him first. It says he's going to bless you, and he's going to fill up your barns. Okay, that basically means God's going to bless your finances, God's going to bless your health. It could be could come in any number of forms. You may even be attacked on your finances when you first start to give. Satan sometimes will test you. Remember, you put the Lord first. You bow your knee to Jesus, and you say, "Lord, I'm going to honor you. Lord, I made a hundred dollars this week. I'm going to give you ten dollars because, Lord, you I'm going to honor you, and I give it to you first. It's the best of my my labor and my produce. Okay, everything I produced in the last week, I give it to you. Okay, that's your tithe. Anything on top of it is your offering. Okay, honor him, and he says he's going to bless you. Okay? Malachi 3 8 says, Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me, but you say, How have we robbed you? And he says, In tithes and offerings. When you don't pay the tithe, you're robbing God. God says, if you pay your tithes, he says, I will bless you. If not, you'll be under a curse. Now, J.C. JCPenney, you've heard of that store. The man who uh JCPenney, literally, that's his name. He started that company and he ended up tithing close to almost ninety percent of everything he made. And he started with the tithe. Look up his story, it's really good. So what God says, if you're not tithing to Him, and you, when you don't do that, you rob Him, and when you rob Him, you're putting yourself under a curse. Okay, it says when we tithe in that same that same book Malachi 3, it says you rebuke the devourer. Okay, it means the Lord will rebuke the devourer, rebuke Satan, keep the enemy off our back, because we honored Him. Okay, remember He's just asking for a tenth. He's not asking for ninety percent. A tenth is a small portion. That's all He asks. Give it to Him, honor Him, and He will bless you. Third reason to pay the tithe, it sustains the work of the ministry. The tithe is intended to be used to pay the ministers and the pastors and the preachers. In turn, they study the word of of God and they give it back to you. Now remember, money operates on the means of exchange. When you buy something, you get something. That's how money works. Now, when you give to God, God is going to pour back. Now, we don't give to get. Keep that in mind. We do not give to get. We give to honor God, and we give to be obedient. And then in return, He gives back. When we pay to the church, we get paid back with the Word of God. We get paid back with the anointing of God. All of it is uh, cyclical. It's a cycle. Cyclical. So Hebrews 7, 8 says, In this case, mortal men receive tithes, but in that case, one receives them, of whom it is witnessed that he lives on. It says here that we give offerings and tithes and will go to a man that will die. Jesus, at that same moment in heaven, receives your money, takes it, and he uses it to further the gospel. The only person that gets hurt over the tithe is the devil, the enemy, Satan. So, it's important to tithe, Because when we give to the Lord, He gives back to us. He promises to bless us and not curse us and protect us. Get planted into a local church. Be a part of God's family. It's to protect you and guard you, to be under a shepherd. And we're under the good shepherd, Jesus. Now, God did not want you to fly solo. You're part of the family of God. Sink your roots in deep, just like that palm tree, just like that cedar. Sink them in deep at the church and don't let the devil pluck you out. Grow and prosper in the Lord today as you get planted in the courts of our God and being a part of God's family. I'm Pastor Daryl, and until next time, God bless you.